In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. If you read again carefully today's Gospel, the details given by the author reveal some very interesting realities, facts, that can, as always, be applied to our own spiritual life. First, the evangelist sent Mark makes it clear that the crowd is gathered in the desert. There are no more in the city or in the world, as we would see in other passages, often used in the Bible as the place where men can let all these senses and lower passions embrace their deadly enemies, the seven capital sins. So the city is a place of debauchery and lusts in the Bible. But no, our Lord did not gather the crowds in the city. But he took them far from there, in a more quiet and certainly more holy place. After a long walk, in order to receive the miraculous bread from his hands and the hands of his disciples, they had to leave the city and go forth to the desert. The desert, contrary to the city, has always been considered as the place where the soul can encounter and converse with God, place of solitude, place of prayer. The desert in which David fled to in order to escape from Saul. The desert where Moses has seen the glory of God. That same desert where our Lord will live for 40 days to prepare himself before facing his sorrowful passion and cruel death. So today's miracle takes place in the desert. And not everybody was courageous enough to listen to the call of Jesus and his disciples to follow him. Remember the exhortation of St. John the Baptist, I am the voice of one crying in the desert, make straight the way of the Lord. John the Baptist announces a new baptism. From now on, he announces the coming of the Lamb of God. And for that, he also goes into the desert. The symbolism of the desert is then clear. And many fathers of the church, these first spiritual authors and great saints of the early centuries, have compared the life of the, the Christian with that of the desert. This is where the soul who has received baptism is now journeying. Through our baptism, as we read in the epistle of the day, we have accepted to fight against our wounded nature and disobedient senses. We have accepted to leave the sea where all is noise, chaos, debauchery, and perdition. We have agreed to follow Christ in the desert. The mortification of our senses, external senses, the five senses, and the internal senses, such as our imagination and memory. So their mortification is essential to encounter, to find, and to remain with Christ. Yes, indeed, it has a cost to follow Christ in the desert. And again, not all of the people who have heard the voice of our Lord did, in fact, follow Him. Last weekend, last Sunday, we heard about the existence of hell and Christ's terrible words were, were made clear to whoever refuses to follow Him. Depart from me. Today, with the epistle on holy baptism and the gospel on the multiplication of the loaves as the prefiguration of the Holy Eucharist, of course, the way of, to heaven is offered to us, as if Christ was telling us once again 
not depart from me, but come, follow me. But again, to follow him is to follow him in the desert, in the deadly, with the deadly practice of mortification. Practice, the mortification of the senses is made possible if we try to quiet all this noise coming from the world. God can only speak in the silence of the heart and soul. And usually we see the desert as a place where nothing much happens. But all the taken away from the city through our baptism, willing to reject the world and all its allurements, and led into the desert, the soul has engaged now on a fight. Still, again, the evil one, of course, but also and mainly against ourselves, against all these prideful attachments, these immoderate passions, this lack of courage in giving ourselves without measure to Christ in our duties and obligations, our state in life. The desert where one doesn't necessarily find all these consolations he or she belongs for. The desert where Christ's presence is not to be understood as a mere feeling, a mere movement of our hearts towards God, a mere physical satisfaction, but a much deeper encounter, guided and enlightened by faith, even when all else around us seems to fall apart and to pull us back into that city, questioning maybe the promises of our baptism, questioning the very foundation of our faith, shaking up the very motives of our hope and confidence in God. But in every journey, although difficult, arduous, sometimes like a lifeless desert, Christ's presence and grace can still be experienced by all in a very palpable and visible way. And today's Gospel, of course, prefigures, announces this presence already through the miraculous bread. We have here the mystery of the grace gift men can ever receive from God, the Holy Eucharist. Although, of course, our Lord in the Gospel today also announces the reality of the seven sacraments, since he mentions seven loaves and then seven baskets left to feed this multitude of people. Of course, the, the symbol is first the one of the Holy Eucharist soon to be given to the crowds. Every man who has been on a long pilgrimage or a long hike, it's certainly a good time to do it, knows that it is essential for the body to receive a good amount of energetic food regularly to keep oneself in good physical condition. It is exactly the same with our soul, and often the analogy with the body is taken to explain the complexity of our own soul. If my body is not, sorry, if my soul is not properly fed, then the soul starts dying slowly but surely. The Holy Eucharist is the heavenly food that strengthens our whole being. This is what the post-communion prayer says today. We have been filled with your gifts, O Lord. Drink or beseech to you that we may be cleansed and strengthened by their effect. The proof of that is clear if we look at this whole time of confinement. How many have been falling more easily into sin, maybe grave sins, because of the lack of recourse to the sacraments, and especially the sacrament of Holy Communion? And when temptations 
seemed stronger and more insistent than usual, more persistent. Well, let us feed our soul with this supernatural food. This is what, why I encourage you once again to attend Mass on a weekday, even just once in a while, especially when you're struggling against a particular temptation, particular struggles at home, in the couple. And then if one has the misfortune to fall into temptation and commit a grave sin, may he quickly find back the grace he has lost through the sacrament of penance. And then may he go to receive the substantial food that will invigorate him. Look at this incredible word from our Lord himself, full of compassion and love. I have compassion on the crowd. For behold, they have now been with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away to their homes fasting, they will faint on the way. For some of them have come from a distance. He cares for the weakest pilgrim. He wants everyone to receive the help he or she needs. And this opens for us another aspect of the life of Christ's followers. These people are suffering, starving, because they have been following Christ for three days. What about us on our journey to heaven? We all have our suffering, our pains, our sorrows, our crosses. But God never sends crosses that we would not be able to carry. Why? Because once again, He never refuses His grace and gives us constantly the means we need to continue on our journey as soon as we do not reject His grace. So let us finally invoke God's help and beg Him for the grace to understand more deeply the reality first of our baptism, where we have been united to that flock of, Christ, of pilgrims, which own vocation in heaven. And second, let us beg for the grace to have this taste for heavenly things, and especially this taste for the sweetest of all gifts, the Holy Eucharist. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.